Welcome to Recommissioned, a Battlestar Galactica podcast by LSG Media. Each week, we sit down to watch an episode of Battlestar Galactica. Now, I've seen them all, but my good pal Matt has only seen up to the one we are covering. And on this week's episode, we bring you Season 4, Episode 17, Someone to Watch Over Me. You know when I shot the old man? The things that you said to me? The way that you looked at me? I thought New Caprica was a way to set things right. You can't force people to love you at the point of a gun. I know that now. But at the time I felt betrayed. So I wanted to forget you. Boy, oh boy, this episode is a fucking bummer. <laughs> Truly. Truly. Dude. I didn't uh, didn't think I was going to see another episode tears. ending in a fade to black with sad, sentimental piano music while a character has their face buried in their hands in agony and Cr- grief. Grown man tears. Grown man tears. I had grown Jesus. man tears watching this episode. It was very unexpected to feel yeah. the way this episode made me feel. And uh, it's made me go, boy, I got some shit in my head right now. I don't know what that's <laughs> about, but I got to fucking think about that and reconcile some <laughs> shit. But this fucking episode, the pain was, oh, boy, I'll tell you. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I, I just been, I was in the wrong headspace for this episode, man. It's funny, you know, I just had the um, X-Files podcast with the lovely Josh, and we were <laughs> discussing um, this idea of and I actually brought you up in the I Am Mother episode, and I was discussing like your mental state when you sit down to watch something has a profound effect on your ability to enjoy it. Oh, definitely. And I really did enjoy this episode, so I want to make oh, that yeah. clear. I think it's actually good, but I was, I w- it was just really heartbreaking. It was a real tough watch. Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't know. It, it really got to me. It, it wasn't. I was having feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not <laughs> afraid to admit it. You know how people say you're really strong if you're stoic and hide your feelings. I, I do agree with that, but I also think you're strong if you show some vulnerability. But knowing that may compromise my judgment in effect to make you think I feel something so you like me more. Do you like how I <laughs> overthought that whole thing? <laughs> yes, you, you have logic your way out of feelings, Steve. I've logic my way out of feelings. See, it worked again. Just kidding. It never works. Um, <laughs> Victory. It never works. Emotions always rule the day when it comes to uh, what's going to win out and uh, trying to be logical about something. But boy, this was uh, this was a tough watch. It really was, man. And it, uh, but it's on such my a good second episode. watch, <clears throat> on my second watch, it just part of what stung more was how inevitable the tragedy feels for Tyrrell. Like it just feels like there was never any other way this was actually going to go. It just it just can't. Like you can see him fighting through almost trying to believe a fantasy knowing it's a fantasy when you when, once you've already watched it like yeah. I, I feel like there are little pieces of him where he he knows that this is just it can't be but he wants it so bad and that's that's what really adds to the tragedy here of like i i think tyrell's always been aware that um this possibility this any kind of peace that can be found with boomers is, is not real like he's not gonna 
that's not going to be a part of their lives. Which begs the question, do you think that Boomer feels anything at all for the chief? Yes. Me too. Um, yes, I do. And, and it's, it really is because of the final thing she says to him as she's loading up the Raptor with a sleeping child stuffed in a box. <laughs> uh, as, as they load it up and she says goodbye to him, she takes the time to say, hey, I want to I tell you and be sure to remember that everything I said about us is true. I really do feel that way. And she didn't have to take the time to do that. And I don't, I don't interpret that as her sticking a final knife in him. I, I think she could have very easily in that moment gone, like continued the lie and been like, he was like, we'll see each other again. And she could have said, yes, we will. And just, and smiled at him and, and left and then leave him to the horrible realization. I think the, that, that she makes a point to say that knowing that he's going to find out her manipulation within the hour, really, as she gets out of there, like the lie is going to come crashing down very soon. Mm-hmm. And she takes the, the, the little time there to actually say, essentially, once you find this out, I want you to know I, I don't hate you. I still do f- have real feelings for you. I think it's just more a matter of they might share these feelings for one another, but they have picked their sides. Like they are I where they so are. The, their, their fates are pretty much, you know, it's not sealed, but they're going in two different directions and they're, they're not going to ever have this fantasy reality. That time is, is just gone. It's really painful and very haunting. The inevitability of separation just in general, in life and relationship, right? Oh, yeah. That's a really hard thing to make peace with, and it will haunt you forever. Um, and it sucks to go through. You know, just this idea like this is, I guess we both think this is right f- for us to do now, but it's also brutal and full of regret and hopeful possibilities in the future. And and yeah, it eventually fades and life goes on, but sometimes we're reminded of these things when we watch television shows. You know, it's uh, it's really, this is really heavy shit. Um, and then to add what I would like to call a Greek tragedy level of just, just Boomer's decision to defile. And I'm using that word in, in, the, in, the most, in the most honest way, in the way that I believe it should be used. And I'm not just talking about fucking somebody's husband. I'm talking about fucking the husband after I beat you up while you watch and I glance in the locker at you to say, fuck you. And then I take your kid. That's like, that, that is some, that's like Medea shit. That's (laughs) so, and I don't mean the dumb Tyler Perry movie. Yeah. That's so hard fucking core. I mean, that is the most cruel thing I can imagine. There's in, in, in it's, in it's just, you know, Sometimes there's infidelity in a relationship and you hope that remorse is a mitigating factor. That's not the case here. This is like, I am defiling this on purpose and that's it. And it's funny because she could have said, you know, know, I I think there could be confusion around why did she sleep with him? The answer's clear, to hurt Valeri, right? To hurt Valeri. And what an interesting, uh, what an interesting thing to think about. As Valeri had seduced Hilo at one time, but um, but man, it's so that kind of that is that's some Greek level revenge. It really is, and I, I don't even interpret it as revenge, just like on an individual, like an individual person on Athena or Hilo. But I think it's really, I can't think of a of an individual Cylon that's more hated by the humans and the fleet and Adama. Than Boomer for what she did, trying to kill 
Adama. And now she sees a literal mirror version of herself, another version, a different eight, who's been completely embraced by, right. by humanity. And I think it's really just this middle finger towards all of humanity that and, like, and not, you embrace her. Yes. Throw me out. And, and I think, I think it's, that's why I say it's so Greek because it totally. is like the, it's like this ancient destruction of some general and his army on top of what it says about the populace at large. Like it's not because I think it's personal and, and large scale because right. how is she not, we know Bummer has feelings. We know they all do. We know she was a sleep agent, an unwilling participant in a plot to kill Adama. That was not, it's hard. Like she was judged for something she had no control over. Right. Mm, so that's exactly. really hard. And, and listen, I'm not saying what she did is right. I, I, and I'm just saying, I, I get the anger. Like I get the, I get the want, you know what I mean? Yeah. Have you ever, yeah, have you ever been in a relationship where, where there's been infidelity towards you or you've done towards somebody else? Um, not that I know of, <laughs> not that I know of. That's always the case, <laughs> but, um, not, not going to say it hasn't happened, but not right, that I know right, of. Right. <laughs> Daily answers. But, um, there's, there's, there's always that like Greek level of revenge that you fantasize about, you know? <laughs> the the big extravagant like, like all showy of the things revenge. you could do and it was me all yeah. of the things you could do to like destroy someone enter your mind and boy did she really i think the writers were like what would you do <laughs> let everyone here's the whiteboard what would you do if un if you unwillingly enacted an evil act that you were a pawn in and literally had no control over yourself or at least no memory over and then had that life ripped away from you, a man tell you you're a machine, this isn't real. Ironically, he's a machine. The man you machine. love, the man you are in love and, with. And he loved you too. They were very mm-hmm. tight before that whole breakdown, they before were. before Callie went all Jack Ruby. <laughs> and, and, and then to come back to this ship and see, and, or not even come back to it, imagine all the things she thought. Imagine how she felt knowing Valeri took, not only was, like you said, embraced, but then took her life, took took all of that from her. Like, had a baby, right. had a man, like had had this life, had a family. While you are to just live the peaceful human life she never got. Yeah. Right, right. And and of course, as we often do, we we fantasize about how perfect it must be. When the reality is, it probably isn't. Right. But still, oh, when you're in that headspace, you're like, oh, I'm whatever. And I'm sure she's going through that, thinking that shit in her head. But man, this is fucking intense, dude. Um, yeah, I mean, it just being like, I'm going to let you know that he's plowing me <laughs> by making also, we cannot a, a forget lot of- that she, you know, she knows that she's going back to just get plowed by Cavill. So she's got to get a slice of that young grade A USDA beef. <laughs> getting it now. Not, not, not mid to late sixties Cavill. <laughs> <laughs> Creepy Cavill. Complaining he knows the about swirl, his, his squishy human dick the whole time. He, yeah. This thing is not anything. It's like a goddamn algae plant. Well, that was more. <laughs> because our creators limited us. I could have had a vibrating 10-foot drill <laughs> of a dick, but I'm stuck with my squishy human <laughs> penis. All I'm saying is a little foresight of Hitachi magic wand or something. <laughs> but, um, oh yeah, it's one of those things, man. But it is, it is so intense. Um, question for us, some prompting questions. Mm-hmm. Matt, do you think Kara, uh, we'll get to Kara in a minute, but um, 
uh, he asked me who do I think has it worse throughout the series, Hilo or Galen. I guess you can answer that too. And then he had a, he had an answer for both of us. This is uh, this is um, T Dog, and he says, "Do you think that Boomer's offer to Galen to come with her was sincere?" Let's let's get to that one as we talk about this moment. Ooh, yeah. Ah, man, you know, I want to say yes. I want to say I do think it was sincere because I can imagine Boomer already having an explanation in her head to basically be like, okay, look, I did steal the child. Yes, I know that makes me look bad, but here's why. And trying to have you know an explanation ready for him. And also thinking that he will be allowed back into the fold of the Cylons because he is one of the final five and that maybe Cavill will accept him if he comes back. I, I can imagine her thinking that it's possible. And I do believe that she has feelings for him, that those are real. So I do... I do think it was sincere. I do think it was a, a moment of, if you want to do this, come with. And I know she doesn't know it, but we, the audience, know that you know Tyrrell was ready to abandon the fleet an episode ago. He was like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> I'm yeah. ready to leave with the silence. Like yeah. I'm ready to get out of here. And now I actually, at the time, and I still kind of feel this way, that at that time when he was speaking up amongst the Final Five and saying, let's go with the silence, I want to leave the fleet, it's because Boomer was there. And I, I think, think he so wanted to, to just get away from being near her. Uh, because I think... And I, I, you see it in this episode as well, when he does go to her cell, like it's this sort of knowing look that he has at her of, if I start interacting with you, if I start talking to you, I'm not going to be able to contain myself. I'm not going to be able to control it. Like this it, is, my feelings are going to pour out. This is a perfect example of uh, social media and the problems it causes with people's lives, right? <laughs> this? this ability to reach out to people that you may or may not have been intimate with in your past. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, like, yeah. it's the overwhelming temptation to friend somebody from your past. That's um, always there. Never, always never the right move, by the way. Right. <laughs> but that, but you're right, man. It's this in like, she's there on the boat. Of course, he's going to be unable to control himself. Of course, he's going to want to go talk to her, especially in these situations where it's just like so much baggage. And you know, we're, we're, at one point, you know, on my first watch, I was like kind of a little ticked at Boomer when, I mean, I am, I mean, I, I'm not happy with her. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little displeased. Let's be frank. But, um, but when she was like, you know, after I shot the old man, the things you said to me, I was like, well, pause right there. Repeat the first part of that sentence. So I'm sorry, but you tried to murder a man I worked with for how long? But you got to go back to the, but did she? Did she think about it? Was she conscious Right. You know, and you got she to acted that. like she didn't know what happened when they started arresting her. She's like, what happened? What's happening? I recall yeah. it very distinctly. Oh, yeah. And the way, the way Tyrrell responds to her in that whole situation had to feel like the ultimate emotional betrayal from him. And that is brutal. She felt utterly betrayed. You know, he would never understand, ironically being a machine too, that <laughs> right. this wasn't something she wanted to do. And not until Callie shot her did I think he start to feel tremendous regret and bummer saying i love you in, in, in i mean the last thing she's saying now that's part of the problem with a lot of this is we're going from like it's an interesting boomer's an interesting character study because we're not privy to what she thinks we're only privy to what ha that that's the beauty of television is a, is the utter mystery of what someone may be thinking whereas in a novel you do get that mm -hmm. in a tv show you can't really show that and I think it works to deepen this character study, which is of great interest to me regarding the character of Boomer, because you have somebody going from an automaton 
to somebody who is willingly participating in conspiratorial actions against the fleet, because there's no way she didn't have this plan going in to get Hera, right? Yeah, definitely. She definitely was tasked by Cavill to get close to these people and snatch Hera away. Right, right. And dude, one thing I want to talk about for a second too that I think really adds to to Tyrell's entire struggle this whole episode is in struggle with his feelings for for Boomer. And I feel like this happens. It's something we haven't talked about a lot with this show, but I feel like we should because, you know, because this is a show, especially not a movie, and we are hours and hours and hours into this universe and understanding its rules and the Cylons, when they die, they can resurrect. Like, it starts to... And I, I mean, I this, this is all great, but one thing I, that I think is a side effect of all of this, once you're this steeped in a show that has, a, you know, a different rule set than our reality, like people can die and come back, like literally just resurrect. And, you know, there's lots of different things like this happening. We as viewers, I think sometimes we get used to it. We get used to this whole, the mechanics of the show being that, well, maybe this person's gone, but if they're asylum, they can come back and you kind of stop worrying about their deaths as much. Sure. But I think it's something we have to remind ourselves that the last interaction that Tyrrell had with Boomer, this Boomer, not just this model, but this individual this, eight, this one, yep. this one that he was in love with, who had this history with, is that she died in his arms saying, I love you. Right. And he hasn't gotten to see or speak to her since. And then there she is standing in front of you. I'm like, when you take it out of the context of the show, like imagining it in, even in just a different show or a movie or real life, especially that someone who died in front of you saying they love you and you got to really got no time to give them a reply here they are again like it's the second chance of a lifetime like that temptation alone is is so gigantic like we forget about it because we're so used to seeing people come back to life on the show people who've died coming back around oh ellen's back so-and-so's back but i'm like that's this is massive i mean this is the first time tyrell is seeing her and that the temptation of going well what could happen now what if i tell her what if i you confess my feelings that i still have for her like that i can't even imagine trying to wrestle with that i think part of it too is this i mean it's it's traumatic when somebody dies just in general let alone somebody who dies violently in your arms that you're in love with i mean that's i mean that i i don't know if there's many people on the planet who can who can really wrap their head around that (laughs) you know two young people dying one dying in their arms because of violence i mean what the fuck man nobody should have to go through that especially your mate and I think like, I mean, I think it's, to be perfectly frank, I think Galen's had it worse. Uh, in other words, the way I yeah. answer that question is who would I rather be? I would rather be Ooh. Hilo. Yeah, I'd rather be Hilo. Think uh, about that, it. Boy, right? if you rephrase the question that way, I'm like, I would rather be yeah. Hilo. It's very clear. Right. I would rather live Hilo's life than Galen's life because at least Hilo gets uh, Athena and, and, and Tyrell, Tyrell is destroyed. He's, yeah. he is utterly destroyed by the death of Boomer in his arms. By the way, shot by somebody he ends up marrying? What a yeah. mind fuck. Like, Which, we dude, we that, don't talk this, about that, but that's like, Callie and him were never right. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I'm sorry to say that. That sounds really terrible, but I, I don't- He says as much. He, ha- he had said as much, right? Like talking about settling and stuff. That, right. that was always a thing. And, and that's sad, man. That is such a sad thing. And it's like- I mean, and then she dies tragically, which is terrible. And he's not the father of the kid. He thought, I mean, God, I would, Galen by a mile has it worse. Yeah, I really think so at this point. I mean, it sucks being on Caprica and getting fucking, you know, you, you, you have to inject yourself with anti-rad meds and, but like, then you got that fun shit of, you know, banging Valeri and this like 
empty apocalyptic world. There's sexy lightning fire in the background as you bang her. Like, come on, man. It, it's gotta I'll be. It. It's gotta be. Hilo has a much I'll better. I'll take it over hanging my head in anguish Dude, <laughs> for the one I I'll love and then marrying her murderer. Yeah. How about this? Hey, real quick though. Here's what I don't want. I don't want to find out that the woman I love more than anything is a Cylon after she murders the old man. And then my future wife, by the way, tells me she loves me. My future wife, let me, let's continue. My future wife is the one who killed her, who I don't really like. And I have a son that's not really mine because, oh, by the way, she fucked somebody else. Awesome. So I'm caring for a kid from my cheating whore wife who it was never right for me anyway, who shot my first wife, who's way better, by the way, and way hotter. It's not, it's, I mean, it's fucking not, not even a comparison. Sorry, Callie. Sorry. It's um, true. She's cute and all, and I'm not saying I wouldn't, but I'm just saying like, come on now. It's <laughs> fucking, this is a no brainer. Now from here, and, and let's talk about all of the trouble he got in trying to hide her. And then, oh, it doesn't end there though, does it? No. Oh, sure. I'm a Cylon as well. Oh, and by the way, Boomer's still alive. And oh, by the way, this person who looks just like the woman you love is fucking this guy that you consider a friend. And I know it's not the same person, but it looks just like her. <laughs> it's her twin. That can't feel good. That can't <laughs> feel good. Okay. No. Oh, and by the way, um, uh, a Cylon that you might fancy is the one who backhanded your cheating whore wife out of the airlock. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, you are instrumental in causing tremendous pain, tremendous pain to Hilo, Athena, and Hera. That's your fault because you were complicit in her escape. Oh man. Give me Hilo any day oh. of the week. Although I would I would I would I would hate to know that I inadvertently cheated on my wife, but I'd also be like, it's terrible, but like obviously my intent wasn't that. I thought it was you. That's not gonna make her <laughs> yeah. feel better, but it's definitely get out of jail free affair sex. <laughs> it is. It is. I mean, it's not like it's not like he tried to hurt her. You know, right, right. He's just like I just thought you were in a weird mood and oddly aggressive and wanted to bang. I don't know. Hell yeah. I was into it. The scene's pretty hot, man. When they rip their shirts off and they're like six feet away, and they're like, gonna <laughs> like they're going to take a running start. I know. I think they're about to, they're about to joust at King's Landing. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a space station, you know, coming into dock and I line up genitals and run. <laughs> oh, he was unseated. Tournament winner, Hilo. Um, so yeah, man, it's um that's how I that's how I had to tackle the question. Who's had it worse? Would you just be like, whose life would I rather live? Helos by any stretch. Yeah, I'm gonna have to land in the same place, Hilo. And I think rephrasing it as who would you rather be makes it very clear. Yeah, it does. Um, so I don't know, man, it's, it's, it, it gets back to some, back before this whole tangent, I was talking character study with Boomer. I always think what makes really good writing is knowing people are conflicted. Like knowing she has these emotional strings of attachment to Galen, but also that she has a loyalty to the Cylons, which is really, really deep. Um, in, in, I think we're, I, I, I think we're supposed to believe that I mean, I, I guess it's obvious her and Cavill are romantically involved, whatever the fuck that means. Well, also, you know what it makes me think about, which is also another larger aspect of the show that I don't think about as often, is the idea of people having a, a place and a purpose and, you know, a kind of place within their their community or their their tribe. 
And I think when you think about where Boomer has been, you know, well, in this episode, even when she starts out, she's on a human ship surrounded by humans who see her as nothing but, you know, a threat and an awful person who was once a traitor. And now the rebel Cylons, all the Cylons she's around also see her as a traitor and want to try her and execute her permanently. Yeah, it's brutal. And I'll, you know, we got to think that a big draw that even can overpower individual feelings and being in love. Cause I think we have such a temptation to always, you know, and it's so many of our stories and movies are about this and sometimes good, sometimes bad, but are about how individual passionate love for another individual overrides everything that it's like, Nope, you know, it, it overrides all loyalties or connections to anything else. And it's kind of interesting that here it's like, no, she does. I do at least my personal take is that, that boomer does still very much so have feelings for, for Galen and is in love with him. But those are not enough to overpower her feeling of a a purpose and a duty to the, the Cylons that she's loyal to. That I, I, am, I am an important part of their community. I have a mission to do for them, and I am embraced and welcomed by them. So that kind of, ta- that so kind of overpowers right? this individual love that I have for you, which would get, gain me nothing of a life. Like, yeah, I get to have these feelings with you, but like, I'm going to be put to death. Like what, 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 what right. life am I going to have? I think, I think it's always important to remember that. And, and that's, what's so challenging about this is this idea of you staying there means death. Like she has no choice, but the flee. there is no reconciliation. Yeah. Right. Done. And, and I like this idea of overriding passion, not, not stopping your duty and what that looks like and what that means. Right. That's, that's very cinematic. That's very, very um, dramatic. <clears throat> Which is why I, I think a lot of times I think I can imagine t- you know plenty of, of people watching this episode and just thinking oh well then she must not have really loved him or right. she wouldn't have done that to him and I'm like no she's that's facing not- death right because yeah we are so almost conditioned to think of like true love just usurps everything and you'll die for it and I'm like when your head's actually on the chopping block though you might go ah <laughs> I'm gonna lie right. to get out of it I don't want to die right of course absolutely. Yeah, that it, survival is the most overriding mechanism here, right? Mm-hmm. That and she's also going to want to complete the mission. Like, there's a, it's interesting to try to think of this from Boomer's perspective, man. Like, yeah, you wake up one day in a CIC where everyone's screaming and yelling, and you're being arrested, and now you're coming to grips with the reality as a machine, and everything's changed for you because the man you love hates your guts now with reason because he feels used, but you don't understand that because you weren't even present mentally for right. that. You know, it's really, and now you've got this new life and this new loyalty, this new allegiance and all these new enemies. And uh, man, it made life hell for Athena, that's for sure. But you know, it's funny. I like you bringing up the idea of passion overriding all what that means because there are two ways to kind of tell this love story and, and it's really interesting. So I'm going to offer a season three spoiler for Game of Thrones. So- Ooh. If you haven't seen season three of Game of Thrones, I'm going to urge you to skip ahead a little bit. Um, if you've heard of the Red Wedding, this is kind of what I'm getting at. So here it comes. Fast forward at least five minutes. Or, or maybe that's maybe that's a bit much. At least three to five minutes. But um, if you still hear me talking to Game of Thrones, fast forward. So anyway, um, Rob Stark, Ned Stark's son, one of the brothers um, who came into power after his dad's death, and there were these warring kings. He was one of them. He promised to marry this family if they were helpful to him in a war. And then he fell in love with somebody and he reneged on that promise. And he died for it, essentially. He basically was at his own fucking, like, at at this big feast, he was betrayed and murdered for it. And because the guy was so mad about it 
and he had penned a deal with this other house because you fucked me and now I'm going to fuck you. And it's an interesting idea, like this idea of what, what we do for love and what it means for us because he did something out of love, not realizing the amazing consequence that would lay before him, which was the death of himself, his mother, his friends. I mean, they all got slaughtered at their wedding. And, yeah. and it was that hubris of, I'm going to renege on my promise in this just brutal, spiteful spirit of vengeance that said, well, now you're going to pay the fucking ultimate price for it. And a bunch of other people are going to pay the price for it too. And it kicks off this oh, whole- true love. It, right. And that's what I like about it. it. It's realizing the folly of your mistake. And, and it's cool to hear after the fact, because so many movies end that way. Like, that's the end of the show. That's the end of the story. But this continues on, so you get to hear people reflect on that poor choice, and it's cool, you know? Yeah. But, um, but it's funny, because as soon as you were saying people doing things out of love, it made me think of that, and it may have been more lust than love, truth be told, which is why the show's so good. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, and, and then the consequences that follow. See, I always like, I think one of the strong points, one of the strong points of, of Game of Thrones isn't about who lives and who dies, it's about decisions that have consequences either immediately or, 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 or months or years after and right and what that and how that plays out. Not just like we made a bad decision and now Glenn's dead. Like I like actual big ramifications for bad choices later on down the line that might not even affect you that may affect somebody else. And I think BSG BSG to me it, because it was ahead of its time is almost Game of Thrones light as far as that goes. And I mean that with all due respect because you see these characters making choices that really affect things in the future. And I just like that. I like seeing what that means, how people are read, what it means. And uh, yeah. this this shit by Boomer is Game of Thrones level shit. This type of like brutal oh, revenge. Yeah. It's brutal. dude. Outside and- of putting the kid to the blade, you know, it's just like <laughs> right. fucking brutal. Oof. Yeah, man. And you know, I even there's a part of me that thinks about if Galen isn't a Cylon, I think she doesn't have feelings for him anymore. I think she's totally remorseless with him. Uh doesn't offer for him to come. I think she would just fully fuck him over. I think this, you know, that Boomer is at this point of really having a true hatred for humanity. Um kind of to this point she of, probably feels really betrayed by it right right and and i think she only allows herself to continue feeling the way she does for for galen because it is revealed that he is one of the final five cylons and i think that's why that's why i believe her um that she still has these feelings that's why i think she is still tempted and even still offers for him to come i think if he's just a human she she looks back at that as i think it would make it easier for her because the, that's, you know, the final betrayal for her before she dies was Galen rejecting her. That's the yes. last person she had. Um, and he rejects her completely. And, you know, again, that's that's what I love about their interactions this episode. Amidst every manipulation that she that she's employing is also truth. You know, sure. uh, they're, they're intermixed. And I, <clears throat> I really... Oh man, this is just, it's so painful to watch. It's brutal. How much, how much I think she really is trying to reach out to him, but also lying to him at the same time. Like I do, one thing I also found really interesting, I do really think that the, the Cylon projection of their, of their house and their, their hypothetical child is maybe the purest part of her lie. Like I think that is entirely something she built up just to soften him, just to weaken him 
and convince him that, you know, we can have a future. We can be mm-hmm. together. This is what I've always wanted with you. I think that's pretty much all bullshit. Um, I think her feelings are real, but I think that projection is something that she knew would just be so powerful to him that that she constructed it, which also really has major implications to me of like, oh, so Cylon projections can be manufactured for a lie. Like that, like it's not just some pure projection of your emotions or your desires or or trying to understand the possible future. Like you can construct one like a like a hollow deck to just be a fucking lie. Yes. Um, yes. And that is that makes me think about stuff with head six and Gaius and I think all, head six is different than projection. Oh, for sure, for sure. But I'm, I'm thinking about the things that she, he has seen through oh, her right. or been shown, or I, it just makes me wonder about. Well, boy, if if a projection can be made and used pretty much only to manipulate and lie, sure, that 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 opens up a lot of awful possibilities. Dude, I love it. I fucking love it. I love that shit. That's good shit, man. I think too. <laughs> another thing about this that is so wildly popular, a uh, popular, wildly. Why, why was it? Why did I say popular? <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, because I'm I'm I have a fucking uh, I'm, I have an article in front of me, and you know when you read something, and you say it. Oh right, wildly tragic is what I'm trying to say. Jesus, is this whole? It's funny. The more we talk about Boomer, the more I become fascinated by all of the ugliness of humanity inside of this subplot, because. She knows she's going over there to steal Hera. She knows, like you just said, she's going to use this projection to manipulate Galen. And she knows in her heart of hearts that Galen's not going to go with her, right? Mm -hmm. So like this whole mission is just brutal. And this just shows you how vile Cavill is. Like he doesn't, I mean, he just wants, like, well, forget about Cavill. I don't want want to get too far off base. Boomer, Mm -hmm. here's another thing I was thinking about with Boomer. I don't think she's a sociopath. It's funny because we have to apply the frameworks we have for human behavior to the Cylons because we don't have anything else. They're made so well that they experience all of the range of human emotions. They're essentially humans in a sense, which I think is part of the premise or thesis of the show, which is this idea of us being very closer, how some of us can exhibit more machine-like behavior and others can exhibit less machine behavior. It doesn't matter if you're classified as a quote, mechanical machine or, or biological machine. And I know I'm getting really off out in the weeds, but I think you get, get my point. So mm-hmm. that's my long winded way of saying we apply our morality to the Cylons. Like we have gotten to a point where we no longer, when we used to discuss this show, we'd be like, well, well what motivates them? But now I think it's fair for us to apply moral standards to the Cylons based on everything we know about them. So, that's my that's my preamble for me to discuss Boomer a little bit more. I think <laughs> Boomer also probably suffers from severe self-hatred. Ooh, this is my psychological profile working her. I think she has a lot of self-hatred. Um, and I think sometimes when you feel that way, you can be very self-destructive and you just want to blow shit up. Like she knows Galen's not going to go with her. She concocts this thing to manipulate him to escape knowing it'll devastate him, but not really caring in, but, but, but also caring. you like people, right. you know how people, they'll, people will engage in self-destructive behavior that will harm other people. And they still love those other people. Like I, I, that's, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to get too hippy dippy with Boomer because I think there's also very deliberate deceit, but I also think like, it's not from pure, from her being purely a sociopath. I think she feels a lot 
but I think she just can't help herself. Like how, ah, man, it would be hard to not have some hatred for yourself after the things you've done to people unwittingly, you know? Right. But, and like, almost kind of embracing that. That's what like, I mean. If I'm a monster, I'm a monster. Yes, it. exactly. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is. It's like the tragic villain in any good comic. Like, you think I am this thing, then I will be this thing, and I will fucking burn the world. But ultimately, they're yeah. pretty sad people. Like, and I know, again, that sounds fucking wicked lame, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it, it, that, that's I interesting. Do. Like, I will, I will. I, it's not just I'm trying to do this, you know, you. You take a character like uh, Tywin Lannister in, in, in Game of Thrones, and he's just, he doesn't want, he's not, a, he's not somebody who's trying to deliberately get off on pain. He's somebody who's doing something for his family, everything else be damned, which makes him interesting. It's almost like, think about the scene, think about Gaius fucking that girl and cheating on Six back in the miniseries, and think about Boomer and what she's doing, right? Gaius is just... Uh, an aloof selfish person like this is i'm going to inflict like when guys fucked that other girl he wasn't his mission wasn't i'm going to cause a lot of pain to six it's going to be great it was just like here's an opportunity i can't control myself and i'm a fucking philanderer you know exactly where whereas boomer is like i want to i'm going to salt the fucking earth i'm going to salt the earth on my way out you know right she could have said a hundred things to walk away from that fuck like i'll be right back baby and he would have been like, all right, all right, all right. Like, and she could have just slipped away. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But no, this was super deliberate. <laughs> it's brutal, man. And, 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 I guess, and I guess what I'm saying about that is like, and how does that tie into all my preamble? Because we have somebody acting like a hurt person. You know, this is, it, it's not, in other words, her behavior isn't unique to Cylons. Humans do this shit all the time. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And that's, that's what makes it so fascinating to me is we can't just be like, well, she's a machine. She doesn't feel anything. No, man, that's what makes it complicated. That's what makes it interesting. Damn. Dude, I actually want to bring in uh, a good point about this from uh, our boy Christoph on our Facebook page. The man from Czechoslovakia. He has left us another long comment. This might be too long for me to read all of on the show. You got some Uh, stuff? I'm going to read a little chunk of it here uh, because this is directly about what we're talking about. He says, sorry. For Chief, I feel he succumbs to escapism. And I totally agree. Me too. He finally has something good happen in his life. He gets the picture perfect life with someone he loves and loved for so long. He gets a sunny, airy home. He gets a child. And he fights for them, just like Hilo fought for Athena and Hera. But Galen is fighting for an illusion. Boomer is too broken, feels too betrayed by both her former human shipmates and by rebel Cylons to turn from Cavill. And the child is just an illusion. The fact that Chief is a Cylon only makes Boomer less likely to betray Cavill. She is doing this for the Cylon race and thus for Chief. What if Chief was a man, not a Cylon? And we kind of talked about that a little bit, about mm. the idea you of- said, if, you, if, you said that, actually. You pretty much equivocally stated, <laughs> had he been a man, this would have been easier for her because of her loyalty to the Cylons at this point. Or to, or, or yeah, I mean, she's, she's Boomer's running yeah. out of homes- Right, right. I think she's. I think she doesn't make any offers to him, or or even dip out of her illusion at all. Like I, I think there's those moments of honesty when she actually does say, "I really do feel this way about you." I don't think we get that if he if he's still just a person. Mm-hmm. I think she would she would bury those feelings and and hate them even more so. Yeah. Um. Uh. Our guy said. Uh, uh, sorry, Christoph says something else that I think is very, very, very a very good catch by him. Ty's words from the last episode come to mind. Pure human is too weak. Pure Cylon is too weak. Athena and Helo's relationships revived and flourished while Chiefs and Boomers is destined to break. So let's just talk about that for a second. 
that's also that 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 might also be sort of like this hidden premise or thesis at the outset of the show, which is you guys won't work. It's almost it's almost like um it's it's almost a warning to the isolationism in a sense, right? Mm, like yeah. you guys aren't going to work. Well, I, I, maybe not because human and human works. It's interesting, actually. That that premise is now interesting to me <laughs> because pure human pure human is too weak, or is it? Well, I mean, if you want to take it from the big grand perspective, uh, the the purity of the whole races staying together thing has been kind of shown to be weak here because of the the history of these races staying so pure that they create something else that then destroys them. Um, and I think that may be like a little, it's like a little micro representation of that among okay. in, in an individual level. I like that. I like that. Yes. I think humanity was probably destined to be destroyed based on what well, we're seeing if they didn't yeah. fucking, you know, you, you, you sort you can't create a, a race and make it separate and enslave it. Right. And when we think about what they're doing, what is she doing other than pulling away from the humanity to back to her side, keeping, you know, keeping this segregation, essentially keeping the, everything pure. That's what, that's what's motivating Boomer in this episode at heart. That and not dying. <laughs> that and not dying. <laughs> so yeah, man, it's, it's, a, it's a really good question. I like that. I, I like the well, idea of, we've, ha- we've seen other clues like Cylon baby dies, right? True. Yeah. The baby pure dies. Cylon baby. Yeah. And, and Hera's still alive and her importance is clear. And yeah, it's, it's interesting. The idea of union of Cylon and human has yielded the best results so far. Indeed. The most stable. Well, not, not barring human, human offspring that seems to have worked out so far for humanity, but (laughs) it's going okay. Right. I'm just saying the propensity to destroy yourselves by creating a race, a race that you enslave that revolts against you and nuke all of your planet simultaneously is part of (laughs) that equation of watching the purity and, and understanding the evolutionary steps. Right. It's, it's, it's what a, what a fascinating concept, this idea that, we evolve to the point where we create a new being and that being becomes something that helps us evolve. Like, wow. That's why pushes wild. us even further. Yeah. yeah. Dude, what, what else should we, should we say anything else about, uh, or our poor boomer and poor Tyrrell? I don't know. I think we've, we haven't even it. talked about Kara. No, I know we got Kara to, to, to come on to you next, but, um, yeah. Um, a couple people though, a couple more listener comments as we're dotting them throughout the episode, not fully knowing her motivations at this point, I'd say Bormer deserved a pardon from the silent rebel. She did rescue Ellen from Cavill. Two, never mind. Bormer's actually terrible, and it's too bad. She had a raw deal in the beginning, and I would have liked to see her return to the fold, maybe give her a teardrop tattoo so everyone knows which A is which. But the show has taken so many expected turns, so maybe there's hope. God's damn it, I just want Chief Cheryl to be happy. I actually cried twice during the episode. First, when Bormer shows him her fantasy, and then again when he's tearing through the empty house in his cover. Oh, that's brutal. Frack you, VSG. So cool. uh, T-Dog <laughs> responds by saying, Boomer is too far gone at this point. One could say that Tiro's rejection of her when she was first discovered to be a Cylon was what led her to her downfall. Well, that and putting two bullets in the man. I, I would agree with that assessment, T, uh, T-Dog, especially as a result, especially, especially the latter part, which is her being rejected by Tiro um, because she was an unwitting shooter, as it were. We know that her memory of that was scant at best, and she was as surprised as anyone else on CIC. But, right. Yeah, I just wanted to bang through a couple of those comments because they was good. That was from Brian Locklear. Oh, thank, thank you, you. Thank you, Brian. Yes. Well, so, Kara Thrace. Ooh, Kara. This is a- Working out this daddy issues. This is a- It's funny because this guy's not even like that. He's like not a few years older than her. 
Right, dude. I'm not gonna lie. On my first watch, I was like, "Oh, is this Kara falling for someone else a little bit?" It was. A- it was. Listen, this was super romantic to me. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. It was I really so did. romantic to me, and I know that sounds wicked, fucking fairy like. <laughs> but, yeah, but you know what I'm saying, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, for me, I was like. I think she may be finding herself attracted to this guy because he's so unlike everyone else that she's because he's not been he, attracted to. Yeah, because he's not because he's not he clearly doesn't want anything from her, and he's not falling into her into her standard pit traps. Like this is a more intellectual guy. He's not going to be pulled into your nonsense. And he's good right. looking. He's a good looking man, and he's not old by any stretch compared to her. You know, no, this isn't like Adama sitting at the piano table. <laughs> Wherever a piano table is, I don't know. I just made it up. Piano. And also, bench. Well, I mean, I think one of the main things that uh, that he does that I think draws her in. I mean, we see her, we see her drawn into him very quickly. Uh, when you think about how much time she actually spends she's around this, fucking guy. ripped at the bar. <laughs> at the bar, this could be uh, a little Minnesota, like a little. You could definitely turn this into some nice erotica. Is all I'm saying. This whole <laughs> it's possible interaction into like just plowing on the on the piano. But um, I don't mean to defile it, but um, I can't help myself. But no, I understand that there's, I know, I understand that this goes deeper than that, obviously. Oh, for sure. Well, I think it's the fact that she starts out pretty much by hurling criticisms and insults right. at him. Because she's, and because, he, because why? Because this is classic Kara before you go into why, into yeah. what he says. But classic Kara is having emotions stirred and she's uncomfortable. So she's lashing out. Right. It's just going to shout at the thing that makes me feel. Yeah. Oh, no. Positive feelings. Give me the whiskey and allow me to hurl insults at this man. (laughs) He's playing a piano that's a little bit out of tune with a very Western flair to it, right? It's got that honky-tonk piano sound. It's cool. (laughs) But, dude, I think think it is because of his reactions to her her lashing out that draws her in, that he doesn't, you know, fight back. He doesn't That's reject what I mean, her. Yeah. He's just like, like mm, it's a pretty cynical point of view. Like he's yeah. unfazed by her, by her anger. And I think that's one of the most interesting parts of this. And in so many thoughts, there was a lot of thoughts and theories around this character, which I want to talk about. And I, I do want to be careful to even suggest any, because sometimes suggesting something confirms and denies something may or may not exist in the future. So I do want to be careful with all that, what I say about him, because obviously there's weird shit about him vanishing. That's weird. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you were saying, you know, keep, keep going on him. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, I'm just saying as far as like what draws her to him, I think it's just so unlike the interactions we see her have with people that she's attracted to or just curious about or getting close to it all because she doesn't get close to that many people. I mean, we've really only seen her be close to who? Lee, uh, Bill, Anders, Hilo to an extent. Yep. And that's like, that's kind of it. We're already starting to run dry. Like, I mean, she's had, you know, she's, I, I think she's grown respect for Ty over time, even though they were very Definitely. much at each other's throats in the beginning. Yep. But she's not close to him. No. Not super close. Um, We just don't see that very the thing, much. The thing about Ty, he's like, my, the old man's love for this fuck up annoys me because of how much he loves and is loyal to the old man, right? That's, that, that explains that whole thing in retrospect, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I just like this, that he is so, he is so patient and calm and we don't see her around people like that very often. I mean, Mm -hmm. where does she run to? She runs to the fucking bar to get hammered. Um, this is not the kind of interactions he normally has. And I just love that. He's a cool customer. He's cool. He's easygoing. And 
she's just drawn to to his calm, I think, more than anything else at first. Yeah, and I think, and I think, and he doesn't, it's not obvious because he's a cool, he's a smooth operator. <laughs> Him just chilling at the fucking piano is a thing of, he expresses n- that he wants nothing from her, right? True. There's also, that's probably something she's not used to too. She's sexy as hell, right? <laughs> she's probably not used to be somebody being like, well, I have no motivation towards you in any way, shape, or form. Other than to right. sort, he's, he's, this guy has got like social jujitsu, you know, like she's pushing this stuff on him and he just kind of turns it around on her in a very gentle way. And, it, mm-hmm. and it's, it's awesome to watch, man. Also, how many friend points does Hilo get for having her dude, shit? For gathering dude, all Hilo's her stuff? Hilo's the fucking best. Oh, he's a, Hilo is such a good dude. He's <laughs> the I know we've talked about best. it plenty, but I, it, we can't say enough about him. Hilo is such a solid I did dude. not appreciate him on a first watch compared to this watch for the podcast. He is the fucking man, man. I love yeah. Hilo. No, he's great. He's fucking great. Yeah. And the only thing she takes is the tape uh, of her father's, you know, piano, his playing, his concert, and and the and the little drawing from Hera, which is fu- from Hera, fascinating, because what you have here is notation, like literal notation for piano mm-hmm. that lines up with the staff. It's pretty amazing. Oh fuck! But yeah, yeah. all of these interactions with this guy. So t- talk to me. Let's just kind of freeform about this because I think this is pretty much the bulk. I think we're, we don't got much to talk about after this, right? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, for one, I, I find it interesting that she's pretty much opens up their conversation. The first words she really exchanges with him are like he even jokes about criticism. You know, oh, you better learn how to play that thing if you want to be a, yeah, a pianist she's that's firing, actually remembered. She's firing on him. That's Oh, just firing off on him. But also she can't help herself but to comment on and be drawn to piano playing like she's she's she can't admit that she's interested in it remember remember when um in the episode where they're back in their house on new cap uh, on old caprica and that song oh, yeah. plays that that's metamorphosis by philip glass it's a great piece of piano um did she talk and, about that being her father's song i'm trying no. to remember i was trying to remember that earlier as well i'm trying to remember um but since i don't have an answer i don't know maybe we can come yeah. back to that on another rep but um yeah, man, it's um, it's just all of this stuff is fascinating to me. Watching her go through it, God, her body language too. Jesus, man. What well, also? I mean, dude, she's the, so the, from easy me, to just. <laughs> she's just, you know, you know what I'm saying. Like the way she kind of <laughs> lounges just works. She's <laughs> so chill. Like I don't know, and it's funny well, because what, there's very you you see these little touchstones here because you know at one point he like slaps her foot and. They're talking and she's all smiles and drinking and he's trying to compose and they're talking. And this starts to get back into her childhood and it starts to get back into her father. And I know we can joke and be like, oh, daddy issues. But obviously this guy's very young. He did disappear from her. Her dad disappeared from her life, right? What do you think about all of this tying the childhood, the father stuff, the father figure? Obviously she's happy with Anders, but obviously- Starbucks struggles with monogamy, but um, to do like this, I guess what I'm trying to say, and maybe I'm just projecting my own idea of this being some sort of romantic interlude fantasy on it, and maybe it is an innocent sort of thing. But I, but it's Kara, so it's hard for me to think that, you know. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I see it very much so uh, by the end of the episode as as Kara looking for this this guidance that yes. she that she doesn't really have and has really in truth never had 
Um, and what my favorite interaction they have is still pretty early in the episode when she starts talking to him the second time. Uh, and she's actually saying like the 22 minute mark right around there. Yeah. I don't know. 15, 16 minutes. Um, and she's saying, you know, she's like, yeah, it it made me think of a car leaving and you chasing after it. Ah, Right. And what he says, he's like, that's not really what I was going for. Um, but what's funny is because he says that and then he immediately says, I was trying to convey a sense of loss. And she's like, well, yeah, that's what I meant. And what I love about that is that they're saying the same thing and they don't understand each other. Right. Like that they're, they are actually on the same page that he doesn't see the idea of a car, uh, a person in a car leaving as a sense of loss the way that she does, because she's the person being left in that idea. Right. Um, and I think that's, that's a big part of what we're seeing here when it comes to Kara and her father, because we this is the first time i mean my in my opinion this is her dad she is seeing i don't know if it's a silent projection i don't know if it's her own you know mind starting to unravel a little bit under the stress of all of this to be honest i'm leaning towards it's it has something to do with cylon projection the the fact of what that song actually is by the end of the episode kind Indeed. of i think drives that point home um but outside of all of that i still think it's it's this moment of her seeing her father and trying to almost subconsciously express this idea of you abandoned me and it's hurt me. Mm-hmm. And he still doesn't quite see it that way, but they still have this connection that they do still feel something for one another. And he is so gentle in the way that he interacts with her. That's totally. what I feel like once, once we, once they really start sitting closer and closer together, that's one of my favorite things about this episode is yeah, that the, the imagery of them being far apart at the beginning. Yep. And then by the end, they are sitting right next to each other, his hands over her hands. He's helping her play. Like she wants to be guided. Like, you know, she, what she, she wants, talk about? Maybe she wants closure. I think that too. Um, on dad, a big, on dad. For sure. For sure. But yeah. I think a big part of what she talks about is feeling lost. She talks about feeling, literally feeling adrift. She's like, sure. I thought I, I had so much purpose. I was leading us to earth and then earth was for nothing. And now I, here I am again, adrift. And she wants someone to hold her hand, literally even, and, and guide her in some direction. Yeah. Um, and obviously I don't think there ends up being any clear answer to that by the end of this episode, but the fact that she's seeing her father to me more so points to this idea of, I want to get past the pain of him leaving me, but I still want that kind of gentle fatherly guidance in my life that she's not getting from anyone, not even Adama anymore. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because it is important to be independent and strong regardless of your gender. Um, it's important for us to be able to be sort of like masters of our own lives, but we all need people. And especially if there's a trauma in there at some point, it's hard to shoulder it all alone. And you're right. She is estranged. Like her and Lee are long gone. Anders is in a, is in a really bad position. Not to mention he's sort of just become, he, he, he has really sort of disappeared since his injury, which is super hard for her. She's alone. Like you said, she's not close to anybody and that's difficult. And not only does she feel a calming influence in a very, you know, it's no coincidence that, that the, of all characters that Starbuck goes missing in an episode titled Maelstrom because <laughs> she is a Maelstrom, has always been a Maelstrom, has never been calm ever, not once, has never been, <laughs> has never been in a situation where chaos is not the thing that is always present in her life. True. And as fucked up as it sounds, I, sh- I think she flourishes in it and doesn't know how to handle the quiet. And that's serious. And that's real. Plenty of people live like this. And it's really challenging. It's really challenging for her. 
And I think this immediacy of, like you said, guidance and calmness is really something. Um, her vision of seeing the, the destroyed face of the pilot that we know was her, so, so to speak. Dude, she's seeing it in her mirrors. She's seeing yes. it in her dreams. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, you, you talked about the, 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 the premise of what you were saying rests on the one of the opening statements between the two characters, which is just this idea of empty car. I wasn't going for that. I was going for, what does he say exactly? A sense of loss is what he said. Okay. So if we, let's talk about that for a second, because if we envision this as her father, if we envision this as a projection of her father or something she's thinking, or maybe even some sort of fucking, you know, uh, some sort of mythical being come to see her, it starts to raise a lot of questions. Because if we're to look into what they're saying, into the deeper meaning, the subtext of the dialogue, and them not seeing it eye to eye, we have to analyze when he says it if we should read into motivation, right? Mm-hmm. If he's if he is if he is more if he is more than just an unwitting piano player who's really kind to her and and you know he doesn't really vanish he just kind of walks away and she misses it or something that's one thing. But if we go on your logic and he is some sort of representation of her father or a manifestation of a long gone father or something even more than that, him saying I was going for a sense of loss would almost suggest he's trying to teach her something by leaving her as a kid. Mm, right? Interesting. I can see that. I thought about that just just now as you were talking about it because you were saying like that's not what I was going for. And 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 we were more fo- I was more focused on like what she feels and what he doesn't understand about the pain. But then he admits as much as saying, "Well, here's what I wanted. I wanted to go for a sense of like does it, in other words, does this discussion go beyond the piano into Kara's past and does it mean something? Yeah. And that's, dude, I mean, I'm, I'm struggling with that as know, far as like what, what it could actually mean and what her, what her father could mean by that. Like, why would he say that to her? Right. It's invariable that we are who we are as a result of our parents' influence in our lives. And we know that Kara has seemingly come back from the dead. Can we just put that on the table? Oh, for sure. Okay. So <laughs> yes. that means she probably doesn't like, what does that say? We know about her mom. We know how her mom was really, really drove her and she went through that whole reconcile, reconciliation with her mom. Mm-hmm. We know that Kara is who she is because of the way she was brought up. And if we're to believe that this guy represents her father and he deliberately left, was he just leaving because he was unhappy or knowing Kara came back from the dead? And I, in other words, does she come from something beyond? Do you know what I mean? Like, or is she just somebody who comes back from the dead randomly with normal parents? <laughs> yeah. It begs the question, the nature of this man and what A, he even is, and B, what was he trying to do to Kara by leaving her as a child? Mm-hmm. And I mean, we have, we only have four episodes to go, man. I know. And <laughs> that's why I'm like, how the fuck? We, we only have four episodes to this? go, which means this is a big moment in some sort of like, like closing out of, of this traumatic past at Starbucks and what it means for her future. You know, it's not, yeah. it's not an accident that this piano playing calm gentleman who, by the way, as you sit closer and closer and closer to him and he is a handsome dude and he puts his hand on your face and he doesn't try to kiss you. And I'm sorry, I doubt he knows she's married. It, that I know that just doesn't happen. Like if he was 20 years older, sure. But him doing that's so intimate. That's so yeah. like, we have such a connection right now. And it, and it means something like in it, and it is the closeness of the rage makes it harder to swallow. But, but I think the father figure lost and, 
maybe as she remembers him just sitting there that that hand on the face is something oh for sure that's and the, i mean that's the that's the i'm going in for a kiss move which he doesn't which means which gets back to the does he represent her father i, I mean i think we know he represents her father figuratively but how about let's start talking like metaphorically literally what is that whoa it gets really trippy I mean, I keep getting hung up on this on that line of his where he's saying that's not what I was going for. Yeah, that almost to put the, that I, shit in I, your I, head now. Like, I feel like maybe I'm reading into it too much, but I, I almost see it more as like he's saying that's not what I was going for when I when I left you. That that was a purposeful thing trying to shape you in some way. That's what I'm suggesting um, too. And I don't know what that could be. What what he was trying to shape her into, but maybe the idea that. She is going to be shaped by loss. Yes, she has been. She, I mean, she is. She, been. she is an amazing. But to what for? What reason? Right for what reason? Well, now that's where I'm like, ooh, I'm lost. <laughs> like, right. Well, the fucking mysteries of the show. We, we've. We, what do we know about Kara? We know that her mom was a harsh disciplinarian. We know her father left her. We know that she has had very, um, cha- a very chaotic life. She exists amidst the chaos. She can't be calm. She has tumultuous romantic affairs. She probably drinks a little too much. She and also, is I, super I think a accomplished. Big, a big key to it, we, we, you, know, you mentioned it earlier, talking about her coming back from the dead. But I think at this point in the show, with only, what, are there three more after this or four? Four. We have, a, four. We have Daybreak. We have uh, uh, Islands in a Stream of Stars. And then we have Daybreak 1, 2, and 3. There we go. Well, shit, with four episodes of this entire series left, I think it's pretty safe to say that Kara is the last character who literally does not know what they are. Like everybody else, you know, I mean, we've had, it was, it was dramatic and and chaotic, but the final five now know who they are and everybody else knows who they are. And we've kind of in a tense degree made peace with all of that. Everybody is on uh, the same ground as at least knowing where everybody is, who they are, what their allegiances are. And Kara, doesn't even know who she herself is. Sure. Like these implications are still just or, or, out there. Hanging. Or maybe even what she is. I think she probably has saying. a, yeah. yeah, yeah. She has a handle like, on her personality, but it's like, what the fuck am oh, I? Sure. How am I here? Exactly, yeah. What does exactly. this mean? I disappeared. I don't remember. My ship was in pristine condition. I mean, these are beyond, We and we've seen no look in. We have four episodes left. I'm not saying we're not going to get a, information from the Cylons regarding Kara. I'm just saying we haven't yet. Yeah. I mean, do you think her existence ties back to the Cylon somehow? I, for me, with the song reveal, it has to. It has to. Um, and I don't know how, I don't know if it, w- that she is some other model that was never spoken about outside of the 12 that they don't, they, maybe they don't even know, or if she is some other ancient, um, you know, Cylon like the Final Five. I don't know. But I mean, there is just... You cannot bring up the fact that her father taught her a song that, you know, in this world he wrote, taught her to taught it to her. It's the song that makes her happy and sad at the same time. He says the best ones are, and it is the song that the final four knew from Earth that made them aware that they were Cylons. All that's, along the watchtower. <laughs> yeah, that's that's too big of a connection. I'm like, okay, well then Cylon fuckery is here. Even if it's not fuckery, fuckery, but there's 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 Cylon fingerprints all over this. Yeah, they're they're in 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 maybe even beyond Cylon and just into the very existence of this entire thing. Like it's the the, the all you know all of the stuff we've heard, even going back to Leoben shit. Like this, like this whole pattern repeats itself. You know, in this idea of familiarity, in this idea of this uncovering of the song, 
tied back to Hera, which, you know, and what else was, what what else do we know about Starbuck? Harbinger of death. Yeah. I always keep thinking about that. I still am not sure what that means for her. Right. But the harbinger of death, which is one, I don't know if we ever talked about that. We should point out that like the harbinger of death is not the same thing as death. Like Correct. this is talk, no, you're just a messenger. Is something, you're a messenger. Exactly. It's yeah. the person sent out ahead to tell others of their coming. And, and while we're getting really cute and philosophical, death has can have many meanings, right? Right. It might not mean death of death of the body. It could just mean there, there's lots of metaphorical deaths. It could mean I mean change. I yeah. Change. There you go. It's change um, for sure. Yeah. Interesting. But boy, boy howdy, as you like to say, <laughs> boy. Howdy. It's super interesting, and um, and him playing with her at the end, and and Ty coming over. Oof! Oh fuck! Yeah. How <laughs> the fuck did you learn that song? <laughs> and then he's just gone, fucking gone. That's that's why. I mean, I've definitely, I evidently some people aren't sure whether he is a representation of her father or not, or something else. For me, I'm I'm pretty much sold on this is her father. Um, and now how so now, he's being now you're manifest. talking like metaphysical stuff. You, well, yes, but I'm but we always have, the, we always have, we've always talked about the possibility of God and the possibility of these amazing coincidences that Baltar is, you know, that, that he's again, some of the Baltar ones you could probably sort of explain by getting some information he didn't realize from head six, but anyway, continue. Right. Well, I was just gonna say, I mean, the nature of how he's here, whether he's part of her memory or he's a manifestation from something supernatural or he's silent projection, that that I'm not sure about. Sure. But what I do think is that this man, his face and him, you know, the character of who he is, is her father. Um, and I don't know how, she, you know, through what means she's seeing him, I'm not sure. But for me, the thing that I'm I'm the most focused on and interested in with all of this is that moment of her talking about being adrift and he tells her, that you know it's okay sometimes you have to just be lost and yes. you you know you may not know your purpose but that doesn't mean you don't have one yet or that um, it hasn't been revealed to you yet right right that it's just it's maybe going to be and you're just essentially she's in a place of of waiting and i think it was also christoph too who made this point which i think was really good talking about the beginning of this episode which we didn't mention yet is entirely focused on kara and the monotony of the day to day kind of just formless missions they that's have. That's a great of, point. You know, that's a great like point. They're, like they're just running, you know, their, their regular patrols and they're also sending out raptors for, you know, these standard runs to go out and probe different areas of space to see if there's a habitable planet. And that's it. That's just all they do all day long. You know, it's really hammered in this, this moment of her saying this week's mission is the same as last week's mission mm-hmm. and the week before that. And just like this over and over and over and over. And I think the episode starts that way to really show us that Kara is stuck. She is stuck in this this place of no real driving purpose. It's all just maintaining. Uh, right, and, and which and which we've survive. we've sort of discussed sort of, we we've almost tangentially discussed that by talking about she thrives and has always existed in chaos, right? Right. Because and now she's, be, she's spinning wheels. Right. Now she's spinning wheels and that's tough for her. That's tough for somebody who has done such amazing things to just not do amazing, especially still being a young woman. You know, we're not talking about some woman who's like 55 and ready to fucking cash in like the, the like, I don't want to do this job anymore. I'm 55, you know, it's, it's a much different, it's just, a, it's just, it, yeah, it, it is, I think. But it, it's funny when we think of purpose and, and, 
in destiny and in so many of these questions that so many just regular people don't even consider because I think for the most part, most people just are like my purpose is to be happy and to get married and then have a family and then perpetuate everything with not much thought beyond that. And I'm not saying everyone because there's plenty of thinkers out there, but it's cool when you take a show like Battlestar where there's so much mythology and all these characters questioning, what does it mean to be me? It, Mm -hmm. it, it's, it does. It, 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 there's such a Greek bend to all this. And I know we've compared and contrast this to some allegorical representation of Christianity and the old gods getting pushed out by the new, the arrival of the Cylons and the jealousy and the angels and the cast out cavil. And there is a lot of, there is a lot of religious connection in the show, which is what makes it so fucking cool to me because you don't ever see that done well in science fiction that often, at least not science fiction I consume. It's just, it's just right. never that interesting to me. I'm just like, all right, cool. Yeah, you guys are logical. Like, awesome. Like, I love the show, but I don't, but, you know, Vulcans aren't super interesting to me for like their religion. It's not, it's not super fleshed out, you know? I mean, it is in books and blah, 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 and Trekkies hold your emails, but you know what I'm saying. Like, this ties yeah. back into like, it's just different. It feels, it feels mythological. While it's funny to have a mythological streak in a, military science fiction program. I really like that com- combination. I think it's just done so well. And we start getting into these things like Kara's back from the dead on a pristine ship. What are you? Are you an angel? Harbingers of death could be angels. Uh, what do you, why, what now what? And, and what does grand purpose even mean? You found the eye of the storm. You found this, you found that. And yes, you have had purposes that you have fulfilled. Perhaps it just means your next purpose is yet to be revealed, and hopefully it is within the next four episodes, right? Perhaps you have yeah. one final purpose, and that's why closure with your dad was a thing. And you know, I was just going to say, I mean, is there, when you think about it, is there any difference between the idea of having having a final purpose and having a death wish? Like, isn't that kind of the same thing? Um, and, and that's something I've always wondered about with Kara, is that she... She is the hard-charging, you know, thriving and chaos person who, in a sense, is always searching for death. Um, I mean, that's what she throws she, she, herself we, into. Yes, she doesn't we used feel to, alive unless the possibility of death is, like, nipping at her heels. Right, and we, we talked a lot about that a few episodes ago when we discussed her mom. We talked about her propensity to dance along the knife edge of oblivion because it allowed her to sort of control these past abuses in her life. Couple of, couple of couple of non-licensed therapists right here. Just going to tell you that. Chewing on my pipe and my tweed couple sweater. couple of non-licensed fucking psychoanalyzers right here. I'm a pop psychologist MD. But yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. But good shit, man. Uh, I fucking love it. It's, it's one of these episodes where I'm like, I love it all, and I'm still very confused by, by a lot of it. I'm, I'm definitely left pondering and questioning more than I feel like I have any answers. But damn, is it is it so... Good to see Kara have this kind of interaction with somebody that we've never seen before. It just opens up a, a, a side of her that is so desperate for, for purpose and desperate for guidance. Yeah, yeah. So we've concluded, let's recap. <laughs> Whew, we've All over con- the place. We've, we've concluded, we, we have some conclusions, but we do have questions. I think we've concluded that Boomer does in fact have real feelings, but that her... Her her lack of options in her death sentence probably compelled her to return successful in the mission because if you're unsuccessful in a mission, the last thing you want to do is start to alienate yourself from your final home, which of course is the one that Mr. Cavill runs um, <laughs> in that 
she probably feels stuff, but she feels a lot clearly because she was motivated by by a, a deep a deep resentment towards Athena and Hilo and that life and all of those people. Um, and then, yeah. as, right? I think we're and, then, and as far as Starbuck goes, it's like, well, we know that she probably benefited from this encounter, right? I right. Think, I mean, I think we need to even talk about like like I'm sure she's now benefited from this. What's interesting about it though is that I feel like just like us, <laughs> the audience. I don't feel like she's gained a lot of clarity from it. Um, But maybe even just... Perhaps that's part of the point, which is, I think you suggested it earlier, this idea of finding solace in the lost, knowing it's temporary. And just being at ease. Yes. Right. As represented by the calmest person she's ever interacted with. (laughs) Right, right. Right. And I do, dude, now thinking about it at the very end, I also just kind of dawned on me the very harsh contrast in this episode between... Boomer and Starbuck as uh, just in the idea of people with and without a purpose in this in this moment. I mean, we we no matter how you feel about her, she's pretty awful in a lot of moments. Uh, Boomer has some real fucking drive and purpose in this episode. That's it causes for sure. her to do awful things, but uh, it propels her. She is moving and she is doing what she has to do constantly. Every moment in this episode is her, even though she's wrestling with real feelings for for Tyrrell. It doesn't stop her manipulation of him. It doesn't stop her from finding a way out. And boy, we didn't even talk about how, how flippantly Tyrrell just brained another eight, Dude. which I mean, it's one of those things where you're like, again, I think it comes back to the mechanics of the show where you're, you're kind of used to seeing, well, there's a lot of other eights and there's that, and they, you know, some die and Cylons die, but they come back or this or that. But I'm like, no, we've also really learned that they are still all individual beings. It's brutal. <laughs> it's fucking brutal. He fucking murdered someone. <laughs> like, don't think of oh, it as she I dead? killed... I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I, drooling with her eyes open in the yeah, in the pot. Yeah, doesn't look good. Doesn't look. She good. definitely, she definitely don't remember how to say words, if nothing else. <laughs> um, but it's yeah, in I mean, my like, head, movies. She's <laughs> fucking happy. Mo Win Terrell. What is that from? Oh, that's from um, the stand. The stand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking stand. Yeah, they're redoing it. Probably going to be better. But, but no, like, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so crazy that we overlooked that. Like, and I mean, I'm not saying just me and you, I think a lot of us, all the audience watching the show kind of go past like, wow, he killed uh, another eight so that she could be replaced and get her out of there. But it's like, that would be the same as Hilo just fucking braining hot dog and tossing him into a bed and we, and we just move on. I'm like, he just <laughs> murdered somebody. To, I mean, to if, you gotta, if, Holy if shit. you gotta pick one to go, hot dog's not a bad pick <laughs> at this point. But no, yeah, totally, yeah. We didn't really talk about that. So uh, it, obviously, we we can, we I think we probably feel equally about this from a moral standpoint. But let's ask this question: What's Chief's fate? Is he going to get arrested? Is he going to be discovered? I, I am really wondering about that at the end of this episode because the, I feel like the evidence trail <laughs> really <laughs> only points in one direction. I'm like, how could they not figure out it's the chief? Well, when the power got out, it's when she escaped. It's possible that he's going to play the fool and be like, oh, she must have brained this one, replaced him, and escaped after she got out of the... You know what I mean? Right, right. Well, I mean, that's, that's a possibility, that's but... only hope. I honestly... I, and one thing I'll say, maybe this is just because there's only four episodes left. I don't think the show is going to make a big to-do out of, like, yeah, trying know, him or doing some shit. Because I'm like, is that going to be how you spend the last four episodes, really? Like, Also, who tries him? That's a that's a blow against like we see silent integration, but basically we know that they are still an independent operating, for lack of better terms, government or <laughs> government at, 
at the biggest scale, organization at the smallest, because they're the ones. Remember, the extradition of Boomer is not going to the main silence. It's going to the rebels. The rebels want her dead. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And they're now part of the crew. Like, what a mindfuck that's going to be for the chief going forward. Also, you're still going to be working with other eight models. Like, well, how <sighs> torturous is his life? Ugh. So much rather be Hilo. God. <laughs> Even taking the rifle butt to the skull, I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, fine. Anything. The rads. That's probably going to shorten his lifespan, sadly. But God. Yikes. Jesus Louise. I feel like there was something else I wanted to get to, but now I don't have it. Oh, the song. The song's got to mean something. That's That's got to mean something. What? That's going to be a thing. There's no way that's not going to... It's such a big part of this episode, especially when you pull the other ones into it, that we're going to start getting more info on song next week. Yeah, and you do. I mean, there's a very small tease at the end of this episode where where Ellen and Ty are sitting there in the, the little preschool that Hera was abducted from. Oh, right. Uh, talking about, you know, Ty saying, how did a little three-year-old girl write down this song? And Ellen <laughs> saying, she must be plugged into something that's manipulating all of us. Right. And I think it's pretty, it's, it's a small line, but I think it's pretty, uh, it's a pretty... <laughs> Big thing to to have one of the final five, the final exactly. of the final five. Let's remind saying, ourselves how old they are. <laughs> that too, but like just her specifically, Ellen Ty going, there is something beyond us manipulating all of us. Fuck because it. I think we, we could have spent so much of the show wondering, well, how much are the final five manipulating things? And what are they doing? They're the ones veiled in mystery. And now they're not. Like they're not mysterious. We know sure. they don't really have nearly as much power as we thought. They're just here. They're just amongst the crew. And that was really just a spiteful, you know, conviction from, from Cavill to, to, to send them to some sort of human life of misery for, so he can cackle for revenge. You know, like that's, that's why they're there. Um, so as far as what could be manipulating Hera, that is, I mean, I think that to me, again, kind of confirms the, that there is a bigger supernatural power going on beyond the Cylons, beyond the final five and beyond the humans. There's something else. Right. Totally, man. Well, I am looking forward to next week. I'm looking forward to getting back uh, back into it. Um, actually, I was going to... Uh, I'll, I'll just say this now. Um, I th- think... How many weeks we got left? One, two... So there's four, four episodes left. Do you want to take a break now? Or do you want to... Uh, I'm just talking for one week. Do you want to take a one-week break now? Ahead of the last four or a one week break after next week and then hit the final three? I think that's the move. I think okay. we take a break and then we go headlong into the final three. And do one, two, three. Got it. Yeah, All right, bearings cool. and go in strong. Sounds good. Then we will see you guys in a week's time with Islanded in a stream of stars. Islanded. Not a word you hear very often. <laughs> True. That's pretty cool. I It's like a... <laughs> I never thought you could use island as a verb, but apparently islanded is a verb. (laughs) Make it so. Islanded in a stream of stars. Well, read that title and start asking yourself, what's the fate of this ship we're all on that we know is crumbling? That is, oh, dude, we didn't even talk about the fucking end. (laughs) With fucking Boomer fucking going to FTL right next to the ship and damaging it. Probably the worst we've seen on the series. Not as good. far as how many areas of the ship start crumbling at that very moment. Yeah, man. Not great. I'm sure we'll get more of that next week. All right. Indeed. Good stuff. Great discussion, Matthew. I appreciate it. And um, thank you to everyone who participated. Some cool comments this week. And, of course, we will catch you guys next week with Islanded 
in a stream of stars. Matthew, tell the good people goodbye. Farewell. <laughs>